0: Welcome to this special episode of the It's Canon podcast, the show where we talk about all things geek. And more importantly, today we're going to be chatting all things Mandalorian Season 3. Happy May the 4th day. We're your hosts, I'm Boris. And as always, I am joined by Phil.
1: Don't get too impressed with all the fancy digs that we have going on here. We're always one step away from being condemned. We
0: really are. <laughs> You have no idea. You have no idea. (laughs) How's it going, Phil? I'm doing well on this May the 4th
1: in the year of 2023. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing awesome. Super busy day. The day jobs got me uh, super busy. But, but I have to say things are going really well. Most importantly, because we have the opportunity to not only podcast, not only go through some geek therapy but most importantly we get the chat mandalorian season three uh because you know we we kind of teased this a lot we talked about it a lot yep. but a lot of our thoughts were kind of kept for this episode so i'm really looking forward to doing a deep dive with you uh because you know these these episodes are always a lot of fun like these these this is this is what i live for uh i see that we're both yep. wearing our star wars shirts why not? It's the
1: day, right? That, Happy they, May Fourth, everybody! I like this one,
0: my 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 return, or sorry, my empire or empire shirt. The empire. Uh, yeah, you know, I like this one. I like this one. So, Phil, you know, I think we're gonna we're gonna get right to business. This is a special, uh, so you know, it's 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 we're gonna be chatting all things of The Mandalorian season three here on this episode. So let's get right into business. What were your overall impressions leading into this season, considering we had a lot of Star Wars content outside of the Mandalorian on Disney Plus? We had, you know, something amazing like Andor, something very polarizing like Obi-Wan. Uh, we had a uh, Book of Boba Fett, which kind of. Was also partially kind of Mandalorian season two and a half, in a, in a sense, right? You know, so what were your expectations going into the season? Because, you know, f- me personally, it's one of those things where I, I what I had thought this season was going to be was nothing, was what, what we actually ended up seeing. So, what about you? I tried
1: to go in with a blank slate. However, because of the things that you mentioned, I definitely have a standard to which I think things are going to go. So that is an expectation. And uh, but I do trust in John and Dave, most particularly, I think, Dave. But I was a little bit, you know, like I I didn't do any pre-work on it. I just kind of was like, it's a John and Dave show. So yeah. when I retroactively, and we'll get to our reactions about each episode and and each then the full season later, I was just a little bit like, "Oh, John did it all." You know what I mean? Like it, it 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 was less with Dave. So I was just like maybe attributing some of what I thought wasn't going well. But my overall impressions walking into it, where I was excited for it, I was a little bit let down by Obi Wan, but as well. It's Hokie Star Wars and it lived up yeah. To hokey Star Wars Book of Boba Fett hokey Star Wars It you know Took took hokey Star Wars to To the bar and back So to speak uh, On Tatooine there um, And or really though set an Expectation in terms of how good Star Wars can be for me I know it wasn't everybody's Favorite show But It probably week to week anticipation wise and not even setting an expectation, just knowing I'm going to go on a wild, you know, ride that is in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, that that was a really fun thing. It was like it was to me a very much had feelings of mass effect. um, and a lot of stuff like you'd watch regularly on television shows, dramatic television shows like the heist and, and things like that. I was enjoying all the different flavors, the prison, all that stuff. I was really devouring all of that and those little star Wars nuggets in it. Yeah. And the people and the relationship, deep dives and the, the writing was excellent. And I know for a fact, if if Andor is a novel, Mandalorian is a comic book.
0: I think that might be the smartest thing you've said on this show, and you've said a lot of smart stuff. Let me let me say that. This is not a dig. This is honestly, I think that is a perfect representation of the Star Wars universe. Right? Like we have to remember, like Star Wars in its core, it's hokey. It's pokey. It's dorky. It's got a lot of weird stuff, right? Like, it's it's something that, you know, I don't know how serious you're supposed to take it sometimes, especially when you look at the original trilogy, right, and the writing. It's like, it's kind of funny sometimes. But I feel like Andor raised it to that next level, right? Very similar to what Rogue One did in the Star Wars world. So it's hard, right? And I felt bad watching And or in the sense of I'm like, oh, man, my expectations are way too high right now. And just like you, I try to really calm expectation down. I try to make it, you know, how I like to say a little more tranquilo when it comes to my expectations. But sometimes as a fan, you get carried away. Right. So I had relatively high expectations for this show this season. And I'm not saying that they didn't live up to it. But like I said, off the top, what we saw and what I thought was so different. Right. But. This is when I always talk about the the fandoms. It's like you gotta be a little, you gotta be a little chill. You gotta, be, you know, gotta remember yeah. that. Just because something on screen didn't happen how you thought doesn't mean that it's bad. Exactly.
1: They 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 usually if they make a, a left turn, they give a reason for that left turn, and you have to be open to accepting that. And the biggest thing here is. I'm not taking a slam at comic books or anything, you know, the cartoons no, no. are like the Saturday morning cartoons, but like the, the these things are the, the, the comics, right? Like the, it's like a comic book that you're picking up week to week or month to month trying to piece together the chapters, right? And the story is as much visual as it is. It's not as cerebral, it's visual and it's impactful. In how it's presenting its story versus the novel is, you know, like I say, going to be a more cerebral kind of thing where you're 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 putting it together in your mind. Right. So I I, I appreciate what they tried and what they're doing. And I just have to remember to pull out that lens when I'm switching gears, so to speak, between different shows. I I don't know how to get the feel for Ahsoka per se, but I know that they're going to set the tone fairly early and that's going to be what it follows. I imagine it's going to be similar to the Mandalorian. I felt this year was a little bit slightly different of a flavor of it. It's not necessarily worse. It's not necessarily better. It's just, they had a new motivation in season three.
0: We, We kind of talked about this, right? Yes. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about this a lot more throughout this episode, but they removed that overall Western feel, right? It was a different type of show. And I think by doing that, the tone and everything else felt very different. But we're going to get into all that and then some as we deep dive into the season that was. But, Phil, before we do that, Let's talk about this because this is the million dollar question. What did you think of season three overall?
1: Oh, wow. We, we can do that first. Sure. Let's do that um, first. I'll compare season three to the rest of the seasons, put it that way, in, in the sense that which one did I like the most or which, which you know, which order or whatever. And I'd say, it goes in the order that they're in. First season was absolutely out of the ballpark because it blew away any preconceived notion i had for a television show in star wars universe. The second season ended on such a a cliffhanger. It was just mind-blowing to me what they accomplished in that season. And especially the finale. What they did in the finale, the finale just completely
0: just exactly. completely detoured everything you were thinking could happen.
1: Exactly, it was just such a left hook In a good way Um, And then Season 3, like I say it's, It's not a bad season It's just not as good as the others For me It could be your favorite, people That's the great thing, Star Wars is for everybody So If it's your favorite Then so be it, because Some of the characters that I felt That they developed and then they did stuff with Or they spent a lot of development time and they didn't do stuff with was just kind of like, I don't know, I, I'm not a big fan of the word, you know, using filler or anything like that because i I just don't believe that that's something that Star Wars really does. Normally, there's a payoff at some point, but it's it's just looking at the season, I just didn't get as excited during certain episodes as I would be in other seasons and the ending although the last two episodes had some surprises they weren't hugely compelling they were just like oh, okay that happened yeah right and it wasn't it wasn't like oh my goodness how are they going to do next season or or how are they going to continue on in this universe or how it's much like cara dune going missing after season 2 it's just like <laughs> okay she's gone like you know what i mean like it's just like it's the 10 second explanation yeah she's uh buggered off uh she took a job somewhere else there you go like that i love that
0: that 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 it was such a throwaway line that it made me laugh so hard like it's just brilliant yeah, no, I agree with you, right? Like, season three, I think, I think you know, when you mentioned season one was just out of this world, um, some would say in a galaxy far, far away, uh, season <laughs> two was good, right? Season two was good, and I was kind of uh, really pumped, and it, it, it kind of raised the bar, but I still like season one more. And season three, again, while not bad, it, I liked it. I think I liked it more than you did, especially one particular episode, and I'm pretty sure that we're going to have a lot of discussion around that episode, but, you know, I, I just think that it was so different from the other two seasons and the unfortunate part is i don't want to use filler either but i feel like it was a jumping on point and the uh kind of like the beginning of ahsoka and other shows and the rest of the star wars universe for the television because timing of you know at star wars celebration when they announced the movie that's gonna have this feloni verse, you know for me it just the timing of it all was it was very sus, as my yeah. young nephew would say uh so with that said, Mandalorian season four you think we're gonna get one like that ending was almost perfect up until that movie we don't need any more content almost what do you think I think if you're gonna see
1: I think there's always a possibility. I believe John Favreau's already writing season four. So, or it's in the back. Like it might even be in the bank. It's written. Uh, so it's always a possibility because Disney loves money and this is literally printing money. So that bears a strong responsibility. I just think uh, a strong possibility. I just think that now we have the idea that, that, You can do season four in a different way than the other seasons. Yes. You can do them like episodically as jobs or even Mm -hmm. two episodes that go together as a job. That type of thing that he's taking from Carson Teva and just going and doing the, the New Republic's dirty work for them.
0: Yeah, I, I agree 100% with you. I think that what we're going to get is now the, the sky's the limit with Grogu and and Dinjarin, right? Like, they can literally yeah. do whatever they want. It doesn't need to follow this formula. They can have a serialized show. They can have an anthology show. They can do whatever they want, right? Um, so I'm quite excited, and I do think that I think we're going to get away from the main story, and it might be, you know, Grogu and Jarns wacky adventure type thing right
1: yeah exactly I just I can accept that I can I can see that you know the world is a is is their oyster
0: so to speak yep and that's exactly it right anything is possible now and that's the beauty of this and that's why I really like the way that the ending went for The Mandalorian Season 4. Um, I really did enjoy that. Uh, you know, one of the pain points... Not pain points, but one of the funny part uh, that, you know... Uh, discussion points was this didn't feel like a strict Din Djarin show at this point, right? It didn't yeah. feel like it was what the other two seasons were. And we'll discuss that, obviously, a little more. And we have discussed that a little bit. But... My nephew and I, Alex, we were talking about, you know, they should have just renamed the show add an S at the end. Call it the Mandalorians or something like that. Yeah,
1: but it is what it is at this point, unfortunately, even though I know we both dislike that statement. um, When I when I when I look at it, the Mandalorian can also signify it's it's switchable. Sometimes it's Din Jarden, Sometimes it's Bo-Katan. Sometimes it's the armorer now. Yep. You know we've got we've got a few different players in there, uh, a few different helmets, so to speak, and they can uh, move it around as they 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 see fit. I think the the possibility of calling it the Mandalorians, which is more accurate, especially for this season. The downside is you put that name on it early on, and everyone's
0: going to complain. Well, it's all about one guy. You know what I mean? Star Wars fans. (laughs) Agreed. You know what? You're you're right. You're right 100%, right? Even if they did it this season, it's like, but Dan Jones the main character. Why did they have to change the name? Yeah. That's my fandom voice. I use that voice for. Agreed. Sorry. (laughs) I use that voice for every fandom. Wrestling, (laughs) comics, Hello Kitty, Polly Pocket, whatever. My Little Pony. All the fandoms. My Little Pony. All the fandoms. Alright, fellas, so let us get to the meat and potatoes of this and let us go through the Mandalorian season three review. Have at her. Now, I'm gonna preface this with the warning. Preface? I like yeah. it. You know, it scares me when you preface it. That just that just yeah. means I should just get very comfortable, which no, I will do no, as we talk. That's
1: the funny thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm guilty of over analysis. I have done this in another season of this. Alright, I am not on an Easter egg hunt in this episode Alright, if you want to go back, re-watch it and find all the Easter eggs that relate to other Star Wars properties Or anything like that, Keith Kappel, I love you. I love our little episode about the spiders and everything like that But, man, I'm not gonna put that energy I don't have that energy anymore, <laughs> I got old man energy now
0: So... Old man energy and old man attitude. Very, yep. very dangerous combination right there. And I knew, you, I knew exactly what you were going to say, but it was just so funny. Exactly. Uh, when so... you're like, I'm going to get comfortable. No, don't get too comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it, man. Um, but, yeah, no. So, go ahead. Have Adder, The Mandalorian yeah. Season 3 review. Let's see what what you found and everyone, anyone that's watching live, add your comments. I'm going to try to get you on the screen. Um Also for those of you watching after listening, after uh, let us know what you thought at it's is probably the best way to find us on all the socials, including YouTube. It's show at it's If you want to send us an email with your thoughts, Comments, complaints. uh, Todd from Tennessee, you can go suck a dick. Anyways, continue. (laughs) Well done, very professional. One step Eh, away from being. Todd from Tennessee. (laughs) Todd from Tennessee. Yeah,
1: that's all I'm saying. He gets no respect. Not around these parts. All right. So overall, chapter number seventeen, episode season number one, chapter seventeen title is the apostate. it was directed by Rick Fukumawa. And it's John Favreau wrote the thing. And it aired on March the 1st, 2023, in somewhat a galaxy far, far away. So basically, we open with the group of Mandalorians having a bath. It's really a baptism uh, for Ragnar Vizla. All right. So he, we don't know his name right off the bat. We have to wait for the end credits. But it's Paz Vizsla's kid. So at this point, my disappointment had begun. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna put my personal feel into that one. Uh, the the laziest dinosaur snapping turtle ever seen in Star Wars emerges on a giant scale, and I know miniature filming is alive. <laughs> I know. Yep. Actually, it was really good special effects. I will be fair. I was just criticizing the design of it. That's all. It was is like you couldn't find a mythological monster out of all the books, out of all the crap that's never hit the screen. But no, instead, it's you know, may as well have done a brown wampa. Uh, so anyhow, we get confirmation. Like basically, Din Jarden comes in, saves the day. You get the confirmation of essentially his path to redemption. You know the armorer tells him like, "Look, you need to bring me the living waters of Mandalore, and I have a way of testing them." She doesn't tell him that, but that's the assumption, right? And anyhow, they they go to Navarro. They meet the high magistrate Grief Karga. We get to see a little bit of how Navarro is getting better and better, cleaner and cleaner, uh, a more interesting city and safe to be in compared to, I guess, before when you had to. The monkey lizard's just being roasted. Now they're living happy in a tree. And uh, Din helps him to get rid of Vane the pirate. So the setup is already on. And then basically he gets offered the job of the marshal. He, ter- he turns it down, he turns around, and he wants IG-11. They try to give him to the... Uh, 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 Anzellans. I had to remember their name The Anzella Mechanics Yay, something from The sequel trilogy Probably one of my not Enjoyable Little guys But a lot of people like them So fair enough, they are comic relief And that is a very Star Wars thing to do So they revive it Naturally it wakes up It's Tikawa T.T. Prime IG-11 and he wants to kill the child <laughs>
0: So honestly, that is one of the things I thought. I'm like, oh my god, this is what T- uh, Tiki's movie is gonna be like. It's gonna be all like this. Oh my yeah. god. And,
1: and, and here's here's Grief Karga uh, actually gets a bust of himself. He never got one in Rocky. <laughs> and they make it for good use. They knock down the IG 11 droid with it. So they leave Nav- Navarro. They encounter Gorian Shard, who again, Some people love him. God love you for loving him. I thought he was the most, like, the worst personification of a pirate king I've ever seen in sci-fi. But apparently the swamp thing found Kelp and sits in a chair on a ship. And anyhow, they escape him. And Din and Grogu meet with Bo-Katan, who's sitting most interestingly on that throne. Okay. Which he gets a lot of comments about. Yeah, I was gonna
0: say <laughs> that is. I saw an interview with her, and she was like just making fun of that scene where even her husband was making fun of that scene. Uh, basically, like, you know, were you just longing, just just chilling there? Is that how you chill? Have you been sitting there the entire time? Like, what's going on?
1: Yeah, exactly. It, uh, yeah, in that same interview, I will say it was with Christian Harloff, um, at least. The ones I've seen She talks about the fandom And how 70% of them love her uh, 10% are just like Alright with her whatever. 2% want her to sit on their face It's been so funny to watch All the 2%ers on Twitter Raising their hand I'd sign up for that <laughs> So uh, Pigs will be pigs Um. So anyhow uh, They basically go there to confirm Like that Mandalore is an option So At that point we get to Chapter 2 or chapter 18 uh, Episode 2 The Minds of Mandalore uh, Rachel Morrison is the director John wrote it uh, March 8th They visit Pelimoto on Tatooine They get R5D4 They hit uh, They hit up Mandalore rather quickly So these are all things Again in Wait. previous seasons That would be quests that's and the take thing, an right? Entire like, episode.
0: One so, episode this season felt like three episodes previous seasons. One yes. episode this season was literally almost like a full season before. One episode this season were the two half episodes of Dinjarin that we got during Book of Boba Fett.
1: Yep, and and th- that that was the pace that I was having difficulty adjusting to. To be honest, it took a while to get used to having the first episode clearly state what the arc is going to be for the character and for the show. Now we've got, you know, like, R5-D4 getting there, her modifying the ship, no discussion of money, <laughs> get him in the ship, yeah. boom, they're landing on Mandalore. Like, things are just rocketing, right? Like, he sends like- him them- to, to sample the atmosphere The robot goes missing He does a little song and dance with Grogu To stay in the ship Seal himself Do, do all the stuff Which I don't even know how that works But anyhow they, they, they He goes and he finds the robot And he gets attacked by an Alamide Which looked like it was straight out of Doctor Who <laughs> As far as I'm concerned It was a little bit odd but a big monster, not surprising. We had seen it in the the big monstrous people. We had seen them in the, in the previews. And he and Grogu basically uh, uh, get rid of those guys, go down into the mines. And this is the funny thing. This was a fun episode. I enjoyed watching this episode, especially when they get down into the mines. But I didn't expect the significance of this episode in that, Din gets captured rather easily Gets put on a spit for, You know basically he's going to be Rotisseried while they drain his Blood which was kind of morbid Grogu haphazardly gets away In his little pram and somehow Has figured out how to fly Right and goes to The moon that has Bo-Katan on it and You know like they're, he's just Pointing at dials like hey And you know R5D4 is actually flying I know that's the joke But it was just
0: I'm grasping Convenient It was very convenient Right Okay so let's let's pause right there Because like the pacing I want to focus on the pacing (laughs) Because this episode Honestly this is where I'm like Whoa did I like take speed How much coke did I just do Because like there was so much freaking going on And that was a joke a joke, people. Um, you know, so like the the whole getting to Mandalore. In my opinion, honestly, that would have spawned five episodes and five different adventures. Previous seasons, right? Like, i I'll,
1: I, I'll kid you not. I thought we were gonna end in Mandalore, but, in the sense yeah. that the first time they do anything is going to be. Putting a foot on Mandalore and we'd get A whole nother season about Mandalore
0: That's Literally our discussions Before this season started Phil It is just absolutely unreal That the entirety Of one episode Was what, we, or two episodes Two and a half episodes Is what we thought the entire season was going to be Yeah
1: I I didn't know And that's also, as much as it's a, a Disappointment It's also good because it's challenging any expectations that we have. Right. It's I do like it that John is making this his own thing that John is defining his own pace with this, with his writing and whatnot. I just honestly, I, I know there's stories about why it was so convenient on the whole season was filled with these little conveniences, but I just wish There was more effort put into explanations Or maybe different ways of of accomplishing it But they're the creative people They own the IP I'm a fan of it So that being said What's done is done And that was definitely done So anyhow She leads them directly to the living waters Uh, Din gets a sample And basically decides to dunk himself uh, As for the bath regulations Of not being an apostate anymore And in the process um, He had taken off to the keen eye His jetpack And the weight of Beskar is great as we know And he sunk like an anchor To the bottom of the mine And Bo-Katan had to use her jetpack To go down and to fetch him Before he died and on the exit Out of the lagoon or the The water the living waters She comes face To face with a living Mythosaur who opens his eye And says "Mm, I see you Doesn't try to eat her doesn't Try to react doesn't do anything It's just this thing like she's now Asking what Boris just asked Did I just take cocaine Am I on (laughs) speed Am I hallucinating And yeah So we are left with Probably one of the more interesting Cliffhangers Of the season In the sense that We don't know what she's going to tell people (laughs) Right We don't like that was our discussion Was how are they going to deal with this Is she going to clown around and go I saw the mythosaur We always thought it was going to be Din who would see it If there was one yeah. That type of thing. So yeah, that was a real head scratcher for me. Like the episode was fun. I didn't really realize because part of the thing with with Bo freeing Din was she picked up the dark saber and she defeated the cyborg guy with the dark saber. Din had lost it in his incapacitated state. The the cyborg thing had pulled it off. I also think it's Hilarious knowing how this season ends that Lego went through all the trouble of creating a proper dark sword this year, only to have the dark sword meet its fate in the end. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's so Lego. So. I know, right? Um, it was in episode 18 or 17, right? Where we saw the space whales, right?
1: Oh yes, in in seventeen on on one of their uh good very call, quick uh,
0: montages,
1: yeah, on one of their very quick uh, uh uh space uh uh warp space moves, we saw the Pergil and Baby Yoda looking at them, and there's this insinuation, especially after Book of Boba Fett, that Grogu not only consents animals because the little bugger's hungry. Grogu can communicate with These more complex beings So like the Rancor I'm assuming there might be Something to The Pergil, which are the Space whales in in episode 1 And the fact that Grogu is reaching out to them I also, you know We're going to see more of that in this
0: Series What if What if Grogu sends him a message And that's how we get Thrawn back Like, he finds his way back through something that Grogu did.
1: It's the question is, like, we've got two possibilities for how they're going to explain or deal with Thrawn. Because if, I know this isn't on the topic of the Mandalorian, but it is the Mandoverse. If you look really closely at the footage that they released for the Trail of Ahsoka okay, sweaty Phil is coming into the house. If you look at the, that footage, there is most definitely a cutscene that is referring to taking place in or at a portal for the world between worlds. All right, this is something that came out of Rebels. This is basically how Soka, Ahsoka got saved instead of being killed by darth vader in the end of season two of rebels so this is the world between worlds it's a giant giant uh uh facepalm in the sense that star wars now has time travel and it's got a very distinct look to it and you can see it i suspect probably just going out on a limb here, spoilers If you don't, I, I, I have no idea if they're true It's speculation, spoilers Hey, that's a new one Um, I would say that the world between worlds Is probably going to be the source of where Our antagonists for that show are For, for Ahsoka are, or where they come from Which is why their ancient orange lightsabers Are significant Mm -hmm. Um, It explains a lot, but it's also a possibility to shortcut to Thrawn and Ezra. But I think the real thing is going to be for that season to be searching for Thrawn and Ezra. They will make appearances. I think Thrawn's going to get out before Ezra and make himself known. But it is a possibility, to your point, that, that Grogu is somehow contacted by Ahsoka. And asked to commune with the Purgil to find these people. So.
0: Yeah. I'll give you anyway, Sorry, I just wanted to bring that up because that was a part of my notes. And I'm like, wait, we didn't talk about space whales. That son of a bitch. He hates them so much. I don't hate them. I thought it was hilarious that they used them
1: to to throw the end of rebels like that. But <sighs> I was fine with just the episode being about space whales, not having to give them a reason to end the episode, but as well, it was very convenient, wasn't it? Because now we have a continuation of the characters in a new timeline and and an explanation about why they weren't in the old
0: timeline. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you know what? It's shoehorned, but it's shoehorned in such a way that- They actually thought about it, and I appreciate that more than them just shoehorning people for the sake of shoehorning people, because that's what Solo was there for. Exactly. So
1: it's it it is it is it has its merit. So you are right. Now, yeah. Anyways, it was another quick episode. You're gonna have to change the title card. Chapter nineteen. Woohoo! The head of you. Come on. What
0: do you think I'm doing?
1: Just sitting the ready. The Covenant. Lee Isaac Chung is the director. Uh Noah Cluer and John Favreau wrote it. There was somebody else in there, but we all know why.
0: We knew with John Favreau, part of the writers, we knew that this episode was going to be meaningful and impactful. Like that was kind of the thing that we both kind of in the back of our mind, right? If he's writing or directing, if he's writing and directing, you know shit's getting real. But if he's writing or directing, it's important.
1: Yeah. So, this one was probably the weirdest for most of the fan base. This episode. Yeah. Um, Din uh, recovers bo katan uh, uh, basically, uh, withholds the mythos. Like they basically get out of the place. They they don't talk about the mythosaur. So we're left with bated breath to see how that's going to get dealt with, if at all. They are attacked by the interceptors on their way out off the planet. They try to escape to her castle. It gets bombed. Din gets into his N1 starfighter. It's all exciting. It's hard to write that all this stuff is going on. It's just basically a a big space fight or you know uh, air fight happens. Castles destroyed. And then we go to Coruscant for the Doctor Pershing basically like the, the experience pardon of celebration. him Yeah, well it, it's the it's Doctor Pershing and how he's fitting into New Republic life on Coruscant. Yep. With Ellie uh, Ella Kane is the Moff Gideon's uh a communication officer from the second season. I didn't even so- summarize the side story because it felt like it was a little bit of Andor or a little bit of Jedi Fallen Order. Right? It was just this, there was interesting parts to it, like the mountain top being there and the games that they were playing, and there was interplay between them. But I felt like the end of the episode where she where basically it's an oversight by the New Republic to not put the limiters forcibly on the mind flare so that she can use it to wipe his mind or do whatever damage she did to him we don't know with the mind flare on an intense level that she was left completely unsupervised with so again convenient writing a little bit uh, it 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 was an interesting episode in the sense that what we talked about for me and that is the depiction that the new republic has just as many flaws, if not more, than the Empire did.
0: Yep. That's, That's exactly it, that right? Showed me. Like That's I think honestly that was the point of this episode. Mm. I think the point of this episode, and just remember, at this time, the Bad Batch was going on at the same time. So it was yep. essentially the same thing just many years before, right? So yep. that you know, yin to yang, that comparison I really, really enjoyed because we see kind of that the That the new Republic is useless, they don't know what yeah. they're doing they're you know it's interesting because they're decommissioning rebel ships as well. I like that kind of throwaway comment because they're essentially demilitarizing everyone at this point,
1: yeah, and his job was so similar to in the New Republic as Cyril's job was in Andor. Where he's sitting at a desk, you gotta delete these data cards. Well, there might be good information on them.
0: Doesn't matter. Delete them, doesn't matter.
1: Exactly. It was the same thing. The empire's coming by. We have to decommission this stuff. You need to process this. You need to go over this sheet. You need to put this in your computer. Hunch over for all day. And that's what you do. That's how you redeem yourself to the empire. I found that that was a nice consistency yep so anyhow it's a
0: good sorry i was just gonna say what i like about that the most is that it's a good setup for how we get from the new republic to where the second the the sequel trilogy takes us right like we're seeing that while the empire was defeated people are still fighting for power People are still making dumb mistakes. That the governing body is useless, for lack of a better word. And, you know, it's easy for someone to just come in and, and, and take over, which yeah. we still don't know exactly how it happened, but we're getting hints of. We're
1: starting to get the breadcrumbs. Yeah. Right. Like we've got the whole thing with the clones in the previous seasons and almost a direct allusion to Snoke as a clone that type of thing so we know that that the technology and the and the foundations are being laid i think you're right this season even more stokes those flames about the new republic and how it gives rise to the first order like this is the transition from the
0: empire to the first order is being realized in this universe and it's fun it is fun yeah I love it. I I really do like it. So I personally really did enjoy this episode a lot just because I love the beginning. I love that first scene with the, uh, with the, anytime that they do any air combat, I'm just a huge fan of absolutely huge fan of that's star Wars excels at that. No one can match star Wars for air combat, at least in, uh, North America, uh, the, the whole middle you know, the B story. I, I enjoyed that because, like yep. I said, it's giving us that bigger world. That bigger world yep. feel. And that's something that I've always liked about Star Wars. It's seeing that mm, uh, you know, we've always said removing ourselves from the Skywalkers and seeing how the rest of the galaxy functions.
1: Yeah. No, I I enjoyed the, the episode yeah. more than most as well.
0: S- yeah, same. For that,
1: it's just, we both did. It's just for, for that episode in particular on a summary, there's you know, like I say, there's no point chasing that dragon because I'm like, it, 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 the point is exactly what we've exposed in our analysis, right? So, uh basically, we get to the end of it, and uh, Din brings Bo to the hidden Mando, the Mando camp, and basically they get accepted as part of the tribe, part of the coven, right? That they've both bathed in the living waters, and and stuff's good, life's good. They're they're both welcome. It it's verified, so it, it's it's you know it got it got the story moving where it needs to go, and it gave us a nice little colorful detour. So that brings us to twenty, which is the Foundling. And Carl Weathers was the guy who directed this one. We know Carl. Everyone and, knows Carl. Uh, John John Favreau and Dave Filoni wrote this one together. So this is going to be one of those ones where I'm like circling my calendar going yeah there's probably going to be some meat with this one unfortunately
0: I don't know I'm a little bit this about this episode was by far my least favorite of the season <laughs> except for one part that made it almost my favorite part of the season at the same time I'm so di- I'm so divided with this episode but overall I think this is the weakest episode of the season
1: yeah, we basically get Ragnar and 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 Grogu doing the whole show off uh, 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 showdown thing, you know. And they have a little dart thing that fits Grogu's arm, even though his basically arm is the size of most people's fingers, it would seem. But again, that's convenient. Um, the the kid Ragnar basically loses to Grogu and a raptor is what they're called comes down and takes him and then we find out that the armor is basically jet packs only have a range a certain
0: range for for this episode
1: for this episode only and basically um yeah it it, it ends up being this whole thing where bo is uh 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 well well we do get Grogu is left with the armor Bo and Din and Paz and everybody Fly their ship out and put together a plan To basically save Paz's son uh, Ragnar And essentially uh, uh, The armor starts molding a piece of Of material For Grogu Out of Beskar And what happens is Grogu, actually, the pounding of the hammer and things like that remind Grogu. Take him back to when he was in the Jedi Temple, and Order 66 goes goes on, and basically he's recalling his uh, smuggling out of the temple or his escape from the temple by Jedi Master Kelerin, uh, uh Beck, who was basically Almhead uh, from the guy who portrayed, you know, Jar Jar Banks. In the original movies, Ahmed Best, and you know, good for him. That was that was probably the highlight, as far as I'm concerned, for this episode. And this is probably where Dave Filoni wrote this bit, uh, because it's something near and dear to his heart. Uh, this time period, and in I don't know if he has an affinity towards Ahmed Best, but it certainly was a nice. It's not redemption for him because he was never hurt like he was hurt by the fan base. No, but like my, it's a nice but it's a it's, nice way to celebrate his his continued participation in the Star Wars universe and
0: to see like, him get a new role. Let's remember that like I'm at best is on record saying that he almost, you know, committed suicide because suicide, of yeah the hate that he got because of Jar Jar Binks and whatnot, right? So seeing this, the redemption story of Ahmed Best was awesome. It was such a feel-good moment for such a throwaway character, for lack of a better word, right?
1: Yeah, it it, it was a big deal for for those in the know. Um, So that was just really a smile on my face, and it was fun to watch. It was fun to be back in that time period and see real clone troopers. You know, with real people in them versus CGI.
0: That one. to me was the biggest t- takeaway from this episode, right? Like my favorite part of this episode was the like the um the throwback sequence. So seeing, like you said, the clone troopers, seeing the ship, seeing all that in in in, in almost non early 2000s CGI was really cool. Yeah, exactly. That that was
1: one of my standout moments. Was I, I always enjoy seeing real life clone clone troopers and whatnot uh, because we all know the helmets physically weren't ever going to fit onto a human head. It was made for computers, but I, I thought that that part of the episode was the shining moment, like the tur- uh, like the, the shiny spot on the otherwise turdish nature of this episode. <laughs> and I do agree. This is one of the worst, if not the worst. I, I think this is one. the worst episode I think of the weird.
0: entire series.
1: Yeah, I think you might be correct because basically they go to get Ragnar. Paz gets a little bit impatient. He makes the rescue a little more difficult and peril than it needs to be. Uh, uh, Bo saves. Uh, Bo and Din save Ragnar. Uh, I think it earns the respect of Paz as we see evident later in his commitments to these people and uh basically they there's three chicks that this raptor had they killed the raptor there's three chicks that they had they put them on bo katan's gauntlet and brought them back to the camp so now those things are going to grow up you know a la uh 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 uh, the dragon show there (laughs) on hbo game of thrones game of thrones so it's just you know i'm like okay this please be careful with how you do this be more careful than you were with the with the rancor monster please (laughs) don't make them grow up overnight and have grogu riding one or something like oh i just cursed it didn't i
0: you 100 did you know what's gonna happen now
1: Yeah, we're going to see Grogu riding a a, a raptor. Oh, man. All right. Any other feelings about that one?
0: No, honestly, the faster we remove ourselves from episode number 20,
1: the better better. we get the stench off. 21, The Pirate. Peter Ramsey directed, John Favreau wrote, aired on March 29th, 2023. Gorian Shard invades Nabarro. Grief Karga contacts Carson Teva, who we all know from Kim's Convenience as Opa Paul Sun-young Lee uh <laughs> Paul Sun-young Anyhow, fantastic guy we love him here he's canadian he's 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 in Toronto. he goes to the friend DJ of the show range. friend of the show i recommend you follow him on his socials he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever see uh, so basically, anyway, it gets Carson involved. In fact, Hasbro have announced that they are making a Carson Teva action figure. Yeah, it's in the
0: pipeline. I love it because that's all he wanted. That's literally all he wanted. You would see him on uh, on social media just begging, begging yeah. for the Carson Teva action figure.
1: Exactly. So he is now an official Star Wars guy. So he always has well, been, in my opinion, the minute he put on that helmet. But yeah, he, he, that's him. So basically, this is one of the episodes where we get one of our cameos because we get Zeb in the background. We get Dave Filoni with his hat on in the background. And basically, Carson tries to be, shop the idea that we are going like that he can help Navarro because he was worried that the Empire is going to become involved in this, like they're at the root of this. And he goes to Colonel Tuttle, who's played by Tim Meadows,
0: who we all know from like
1: everything. SNL.
0: I know him from (laughs) SNL more than anything else. A lot of people know him as the SNL character, the ladies man, but he's in so much. He's in so much, like I can't even count the amount of
1: sitcoms I see him on and bit parts it's crazy it was kind of fun seeing him there i i I, and essentially he reinforces that idea that we were talking about that the empire is too much into its own it's got weaknesses it's stretched too thin it's only it's playing politics it's it's only going to member worlds it's not going to defend the universe that type of thing it obviously bothers carson
0: my the part of this conversation that stood out the most for me was when teva was asked have they signed you know are they part of the new republic are they signed on no fuck them we don't care about them yeah because that's the same attitude that got the Republic into the trouble it did. So it's like history repeating itself, right? Like it's kind of funny because it reminds me of that period in our world history between world war one, the great war and world war two. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's we're doomed to repeat ourselves, so to speak. So basically Carson tracks down the Mandalorians because they've still got R five D four. And he's got some kind of communication method that the rebels have used on R5D4, who we all remember from the 1977 classic, Star Wars, which is why we're all here. And basically the Mandalorians are all commiserating, like, oh no, we're found out, we gotta move. Conveniently, though, they're basically they debate on whether or not to go to Navarro and help them. And Bo, they hold a vote. And because Bo and Din say that they want to do it, Din, uh, Paz decides that he will sign up, which is that sign of respect from the week before, saving his little, his little child from the Raptors. So as well, though, Bo and the Armorer have a moment where Bo is getting a new pauldron because she lost one in a battle. And she asks for the mythosaur to be on it, and she lets the armorer know about her sighting of it. And the armorer is kind of like indifferent about it, right? Because I don't know if she she can even comprehend what she's being told to her at that point. So yeah, so anyhow. Off they go on that mission To basically help Navarro um, They 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 go They have a big battle With Gorian Shard uh, They defeat him And well let's just see here On my notes I just want to see something Bo assumes command On the mission To Navarro And they defeat uh, Gorian Shard uh, the Mandalorians uh set, settle their old encampment. Bo and the armor have uh the old forge. Uh, they talk about they meet at the old forge on Mandalore. Actually, sorry, so I got the sequence wrong. They they free Navarro. Then basically Mandalorians get a new home on Navarro. They reclaim their old grounds. Man, the armor goes through basically lights up the uh the the fires in her old forge. She sees, uh, the, the, basically she tells her that she sees the mythosaur and she basically, well, she's told her that already. So anyhow, basically the armor says, Hey, why don't you remove your helmet and go out and introduce yourself to the tribe as this version of you? Because I now believe you about the mythosaur. And I think that that means that you're meant to lead us. So this is, again, the story moving very quickly, uh, in this season, yeah so basically at this point we are uh they they're gonna go they basically decide to go to adelphi and and that's where they're gonna find their next adventure because they need to get the rest of the Mandalorian tribe united <sighs> lots of stuff happening but not a lot until the very end. Yeah, until it starts sewing up. Chapter, well, Chapter 22, Guns for Hire, Bruce Bryce Dallas Howard. I know Boris has got a smile on his face. <laughs> it was April 5th, 2023, written by John Favreau. This is, uh, sorry, Plazar 15 is the name of the planet to find axe wolves. And they're basically mercenaries. And before getting, like, as they get off their ship, They're intercepted, well, as they're flying in, they're intercepted by the planet's uh, uh, rulers. Captain Bombardier, played by Jack Black, and the Duchess, played by Liziel. They have a separatist droid issue, which I thought was kind of a nice thing, actually, for this episode, to have a separatist droid problem. Oh, wait,
0: sorry, wrong series. Hey! There's my favorite... Because really, so it, if there's any episode yeah. that made me want a live action Mass Effect, it this is this a, episode.
1: Yeah. So, basically, uh, they have a separatist droid issue. They follow the trail to the Resistor, which is a droid bar. They convince the bartender to help them. He basically, you know, it's the maintenance fluid Is 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 changing the programming or having an influence over these things. And that's all to do with commissioner highgate who is played by Christopher Lloyd, which I thought that was an okay. Um, I'm okay with all of the cameos, but I found Jack black and Lizzo a little bit
0: distracting for me personally. I but, can see that. I respect that. I wholeheartedly disagree with you, but I can, res- I can see that and I respect it.
1: Yeah, it it, it it doesn't kill the episode for me. I did enjoy the city. I did enjoy the concept of it. It felt like it was in a weird spot, but it wasn't because it it's exactly the cover that they needed to get to the meat of what they were doing. So they banish Christopher Lloyd to the moon. And Bo and Alex basically go down fight. They're going to duke it out. For who's going to lead Who's going to control these mercenary uh, uh, Mandalorians And then Din basically comes forward And and gives the darksaber To Bo Citing the technicality That he was defeated She took up The sword and defeated His defeator Freeing him So thus being able to have A peaceful transfer that conveniently works into the story that they need to tell <laughs> So I was okay with that though Because at this point I'm so used to it Doing this that I'm like okay Who am I to complain You know what I mean Like I'm just gonna hands up at this point And be like oh Okay so this is, this is how we're doing it and I, I did feel that that payoff at the end redeemed a bit of the episode for me as well. What are your thoughts
0: on this one? Yeah, this one you you really you you really gave us Cole's notes on this one there Phil um but really, you're covering the main plot of the Mandalorian season three. so that just goes to show you how much this kind of had their whole point in finding and doing the who done it was to get to that point, right? The finding out where the other where the others are. Um so I like that kind of side quest, mm-hmm. but and I liked the technicalities, but again, like it, it's very Star Wars where it's just handed to you very conveniently, right? And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that, but I feel like this season had a lot of that. More than any other season. Yes, that is abundantly clear. And
1: yeah, I'm going. I'm going somewhat over the episodes. I even got some of them a little bit the sequencing wrong in terms of the details. But I expect most of the audience at this point to have watched. Especially if you're gonna watch a review episode of the season that's spoilery, <laughs> um, be sure to go out and watch it. My my recaps are not meant to evoke ac- excitement. <laughs> And like I say, I'm trying desperately to stay away from going down the rabbit hole of the biscuits that they were eating in the Dr. Pershing episode and, and stuff like that. Because those are the things that I really get sweaty over. And I I just really enjoyed the consistency of the doctor, like luring him over into this more ambivalent role with how he wants to get his cloner information back and But at the end of it, I just felt like none of it really matters Because his mind's wiped So I'm like, it's quite literally an entertaining story each episode tells And I love the locations and the ambience and everything about these places But man, did they ever, like, woof. Kind of dragged their heels on some of this, like or not At drag your heels, yeah. but push stuff very fast to fit a, a very aggressive timeline. And I don't know how else you do it while having half-hour time show timelines. Like most of these shows are half an hour, maybe an hour if you're pushing it. So and and again, it's hard to encapsulate with excitement. Dogfight. <laughs> you know. Just like, is it well? You know, it's imagine Top Gun, and that's what happened. Bo Katan puts on the air brakes and gets behind the tie interceptors and blows them away. So, and I know I had previously mentioned about Grand Admiral Throne's connection to the tie interceptors, I am incorrect. It's tie defenders that was his Fender. project. We have not seen those, so my mistake. If you're keeping track ladies and gentlemen I didn't say it in this episode I said it like four weeks ago Yeah you did I, I remember yeah, I used it as a basis for my theory Which the theory was somewhat Correct but the foundation Had a flaw in it So oh, okay um, Yeah so basically chapter 24 The Return Rick
0: Fukuyama Did we go through 23
1: Yeah that was just
0: 23 Okay sure Okay Lizzo. Oh, that was 22.
1: Was it? Oh, well, I did 23 for you. Yay. Well,
0: if this is not a live show, I don't know what is. Remember, 23 is uh, when they go back to Mandalore with everyone. We get uh, pirates and everything. And then 24 is the finale.
1: Oh, yes. Sorry. You're right. I missed it. 23, the spies, Rick Fukuyama. Uh, John Favreau, Dave Filoni. This one's an important one. April 12th, 2023. Ella Kane tells Moff Gideon about the Mandos desire to take a Mandalore. Gideon tells his shadow cancel, which this was all fun. The shield from
0: was cool because this had a lot of Easter eggs, some of which we should talk about.
1: Yes. So, first of all, Ella Kane, I thought that. It was really cool seeing Coruscant the way it was. It felt very Blade Runner-esque, very cyberpunk. And she talks with a a regular probe droid, which wasn't very subtle. But it does denote that she is talking to the Empire. So uh, head meet axe, but it worked. So the Shadow Council had two people in particular That were very instrumental uh, to take note of And that's Brendel Hawks Who supplied the reinforcements And the Praetorian guards that we see Pictured on screen from the sequel trilogy Or a variant thereof of them And Captain Peleron Who is the guy who kept on talking about Grand Admiral Thrawn, And he basically gets shut down by Gideon for Thrawn's lack of presence, he, he basically calls him out, and he he says, you know, if you're gonna
0: bring him up, you, you better be here, and he's not here. So, and it's what's great is this goes to show you how disconnected and disjointed everything was right at the end, yeah. where they don't know what the fuck Thrawn was up to this entire time. They don't know where he is. They don't know that he got that he's lost. Right? Like yeah. they have no clue where Thrawn is right now. Yeah. Well.
1: He's claiming to be in touch with Thrawn, which claiming, he, yeah, I I don't know if those claims are correct because there is a lot like they're not the most honorable amongst thieves in this room, uh. You know, as as they're calling you know Gideon out for having a program of his own, and he's like, oh no, I only do what the Empire tells me, and really we find out later that he's trying yeah. to imbue his clones with the Force, so. Hence the whole child program Of trying to get the child So uh, Yeah It's just really It was fascinating It sets up a ton It shows the disorganization of the Empire And also how organized they are That they're Willingly talking about the strategy Of trying to seem disorganized As warlords Like trying Mm -hmm. to be seen as warlords Who are in conflict with one another but yet Carson Teva has called out that he thinks that they're they're way more coordinated than what we're giving than what we give them credit for. And the new republic is saying nah they're just warlords. They're just this, they're not talking to each other, they hate each other. Because the emperor's dead, there's nobody leading them. But little do they know that they had this background little catch of the Shadow Council. And Brendan Hawks obviously is uh, Admiral Hux's son Like father In in the sequel trilogy Who's you know basically Kylo's second hand Man after he defeats Snoke So he's kind of a Buffoon in that series and whatnot. But Brendel was responsible for creating The First Order army which is Why Moff Gideon Is going to him For troop and ship supplies <clears throat> Excuse me So we then go to nefaro And the tribes basically Are introduced to one another After their um, Little mission to get Axe To uh, uh, follow and the rest of them And they basically come up with the idea That they need to go to the Great Forge And light the fires uh, Before leaving Grief presents Din and Grogu With IG-12 So yeah. Okay. So yes, and and Moff Gideon and the uh, Emily Swallow who plays the armor will be at the Montreal Comic Con in July. So if you're looking, yeah, really for looking it, forward that's to an that autograph. That's where you go. Yep. Um. Before leaving, uh, they get IG Eleven, which again, I I'm gonna call it out as it was weird for me, but I completely understand why they needed this in this story. I 100%
0: appreciated <laughs> it later. You, I thought your text to me at the time watching this live, you did not appreciate this at the time. No,
1: at the time I hated it. And and I know a lot of people got a great deal of comedic relief from yes no. To me it was it is funny because I have rewatched it and laughed. You and know what it
0: was? I wasn't expecting finish. it. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. You know what it was? This type of humor is the humor that I absolutely loathe in the MCU. Yeah. It's... That's what it was. It's the, take this super serious moment, so much important stuff is happening, but let's get some lulls, let's get a haha in there. And sometimes, okay, cool, but it happens... Every single time That you cannot take these stories Serious at all anymore
1: Like it was bad enough that The end Zelen got out in Bad Baby And all that like That was enough Comedic relief for me To have Grogu trying to figure out Like I would have liked a more tense Scene with Grogu maybe potentially Putting Din Or Grief into a position of harm Type thing or, or not being able to control it Or something like the time be spent like that Instead of yes no yes no But he, it got his point across that he's Got power and capability in this Outfit holding the fruit above Din's head Crushing it Putting Din into that situation of Trying to manage him and realizing That the kid is no longer manageable So those were the yeah. messages that I got And I also got the idea that Grief Karga Up until this point You know Din would say he's got a name It's Grogu If you say so, Mando, right? That's what he says. And then in this episode, he's like, Grogu, my boy, I've got a present for you. And he's way more the granddad given a gift, right? Yeah. So there, there are charming elements to it on rewatches that I was definitely able to pull after the initial shock of how weird it is to be inhabiting the body of his nanny. Robot, yeah. but yeah. like that was just a weird move for me. But I get it. So basically, they they go to Mandalore. Uh, they, they 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 and on the Mandalorian planet, it's glassed because of the bombs and the heat and the, all the what you call it. So basically, those guys have been living on Mandalore. These Mandalorians uh, encounter them. Which have never been seen on all these other visits when they descend in big ships. Uh, so this thing comes skating by like ice pirates. It's a boat that can skate on glass. So why not? It's a new Lego ship, I'm sure in development. But we get space pirates and we get space it like space yeah space buccaneers. So Mandalorian buccaneers. There you go. So anyhow, they basically get exposed in this episode to the fact that Mandalore is surviving in the places that you wouldn't normally look under in the caves and in certain areas. The nature is returning. It's reclaiming the planet. It's actually way healthier than anybody would see from space. And then we start to get the idea that maybe Moff Gideon Or maybe the Empire or somebody is spreading rumors To keep people away from Mandalore Because, you know, something else is going on there So, essentially, uh, uh, Bo and them get on the boat Armorer takes off with a bunch of the injured Mandos Which, again, gave fuel to one of the worst speculation Things ever to happen to Twitter and, and YouTube About the Armorer being the other Spy in Spies um. So that was An interesting rabbit hole That the fandom went down
0: Well one of the biggest things about the Armor right is that a lot of people Think that the armor is You know one of the Darth Maul Man yeah th- that, I've
1: seen That you know? as well in, in terms of Because she's got horns on her helmet So yeah. it, it, it Really is up to them to figure it out i don't think they're going to be that on the
0: nose but as well there have been that on the you know what good stuff <laughs> so. that's the thing right like i feel like they leave it they, they have options with that character at this point but i feel like this yeah. character has gone through so much unless she's completely going through the motions for some reason yeah blah, blah 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 right it just too again convenience
1: i i think it's better to keep her as the mother of the clan than to have her try to oust or whatever. her play to do that was now. but who knows what the what the um the future of of her character is because they did develop it a lot. She didn't appear in season two. She appeared in Book of Boba Fett. She appeared in mm-hmm. season one. and she got a fair amount of screen time on this, which, you know, Emily is a good actress. and she knocked it out of the park. So yeah. I'm just hoping that they don't do the character dirty, but that's life, right? Like, we are in their hands. So, basically, uh, one of the big tension points was Bo confessing to the fact that she gave up the dark saber to Moff Gideon because she wanted to save Mandalore. And in the process of doing that, she got betrayed and it ended up becoming everyone's, you know, issue. So... They uh, get the boat gets uh, well. Actually there's another big fight too Between between Paws And Axe Wolves There's a big confrontation between the traditional And the non-traditional Mandalorians Um That Bo and, and Din Basically say we can't intervene Because we're going to look like we're taking sides and, and
0: I like how the armor was kind of like We knew this was going to happen Let them get it out of their system now Well she was I think fucked off at that point, but well, maybe not, but it
1: doesn't matter. No, no, yeah. No, it, needs, it needs to happen. Yeah. It needs to happen. Like this, this has to, this has to work its way through this. The course must be done another pearl of wisdom. Right. So <clears throat> at that point though, Grogu steps in with his mighty, mighty IG 11 armor and, and diffuses the situation with the yes or no button. And, and, and his strong hardness of being able to hold the, the parties at bay, which I thought was a good compromise. I actually did, I was okay with that. It, it's it's Grogu was proving himself that he's a character that can take action in the suit. He's not just a yes no button um, and do more than crush fruit. So, yeah, I, I did enjoy that. That he, he just basically acknowledged that he's not as fragile as maybe we think he is. So they basically. Get near-ish The Great Forge And a big monster that they've never seen before Even though they've been living there for years On the glass planet erupts out of nowhere and, and smashes the ship to shit And At that point uh, We see them go down To find the Great Forge Where the guys are like, hey, we know the way Here we go And underneath there we see uh, More jetpacks coming at them And they're stormtroopers wearing Beskar So we get into a big fight. Uh, Axe Wolves takes off because he says, I'll go get the fleet and get everything sorted up there, and I'll return with reinforcements. So he flies off in his jetpack. And basically, we have uh, Din, like through this whole big battle of. Only being able to shoot these stormtroopers through vulnerable points because you can't just blast them because they're in Beskar. Um, they start to get the upper hand in all this, and Din gets captured by uh, and basically grief. Um, Moff Gideon, sorry, reveals himself as having Beskar alloy armor as well, which is very much like the like the Mandalorian uh, uh, armor for. Uh, 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 The the evil Sith type stuff right So it's got the horns and The, the full get up right very dark Sleek and whatnot So it looked pretty cool But that's his new play is that It's the uh, it's the dark You know the dark trooper Mark three Which is him in it with power and, and wouldn't he be more powerful If he had the force So basically uh, They pulled Din away And he just starts making faces at, at the people through the glass and uh, pause actually gets on the other side of the door and basically pause gets taken down by those Praetorian guards and he sacrifices himself so that Bo-Katan and the rest of the Mandalorians can get out of there and save themselves and get to a point where they're going to be able to assemble some kind of strike back. Yeah. And that was know, a cool uses scene. the dark saber to cut the door through the door and whatnot. And it was a pretty cool fight. I was a little bit shocked that they killed Paz, but I understood what he was going for and he already established that he had a lineage. So it's not like the Vizlas are not around in the Mandalorian universe because they're a very big part of it. As we all know, the original Mandalorian who created the, the original Jedi Mandalorian that created the Darksaber was a Vizla. Yeah. so basically uh he gets killed and and that's the shocker end right like din is captured things look grim at this point right like we're we're really into the weeds for the finale it's 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 the the plate is set what do you think
0: of this episode I like this episode. We're still on 23 for those watching. Um, I just uh, went a little too ahead. I like this episode a lot. It really set us up for the finale. Um, you know, I think that the right character died. I felt like yeah. someone needed to die. And they were kind of building him up throughout this entire season. You saw the lineage. You saw his how he turned around in, in attitude with Bo-Katan, with the Mandalorian, with the internal politics, with everything, with their cult and everything, right? So yeah. I think... It was the perfect person to get uh, uh, to get uh, killed off. Um, it was very cool seeing Moff Gideon's little army that no one knows about. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was pretty I, cool.
0: Yeah. Um, I like seeing and the base, I, I, too. Yeah, the base with, was really cool. Separate. Like It just goes yep. to show you how active he's been and yep. knowing how the Empire worked. It makes you wonder what everyone else was up to. Because we've seen what Thrawn's up to. We've seen what Moff Gideon is up to. I want to know what yeah. everyone else in that council and what they're up to. It opens up so many possibilities, right? Yes,
1: it does. So I, I thought all those are very good points. Um, I agree on every, every front. It was a question to me about in the finale, is there going to be more More losses on the Mandalorian side Right Is it going to be the end of Moff Gideon Like there's a lot of question marks Because I can't predict at this point Where the axe is going to fall So to speak Right Where the dark saber is going to fall Yeah where the dark saber is going to fall Exactly It's it's a lot of stuff is on the table At this point Which you know does bring us to chapter 24 The return Rick Fukuyama, John Favreau. Rick is the director. John's the writer. April nineteenth, twenty twenty-three. Feels like so long ago, but not it that does. Far, yeah. So, Bo retreats. Uh, Ax is is on his way to the ship, um, seemingly with no gas restrictions on these backpacks.
0: They uh, they so they loaded it, them up with the special fuel.
1: They have the special fuel, the best car fuel. So, or or the, the, <laughs> the fuel on Mandalore is better than
0: anywhere else. The, the atmosphere on man, it, it's built for yeah. the atmosphere. There we go. We figured it out. Yeah, we figured John, it out. John and you know, Dave hire us right now.
1: Exactly. You don't need summer and winter gas. You need Mandalore fuel. Mandalore <laughs> seasoned fuel. <clears throat> so, anyhow. We Then uh, uh Axe goes up there And basically tells everybody to get Hell down there because they need help Now so they man all the Ships and get into assistance Mode and then basically Axe decides you know what I'm going to crash this ship You can see him like I'm bringing this thing down I'm bringing this thing and you know He's the only guy flying it so it's just Like any Star War where yeah. you have A single person flying something You're going to hit shit So yeah <laughs> so the writing was on the wall there uh din somehow gets free so easily he's just like he really does i know he's just walking along and he's like oh something your shoelace is untied what boom ah!
0: <laughs> and then it's like keystone cops right like, seriously never take pedro pascal for a walk when his arms are tied exactly it, it, it's... <laughs> we learned in two shows in the past three months you never, you, you just, you just never walk him to a cell.
1: Exactly. You just, he, he just can't be caged, that man. I'm telling you. So basically, uh, 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 <laughs> he finds Krogu. The two of them start. Uh, journeying to to meet up with the team, I guess at this point, or get Gideon. I don't know what the declared thing is anymore, but essentially they come across Gideon's clones. They destroy those, which were creepy, and um, uh, uh, basically, you know, it, it established that whole comment about him trying to imbue his clones with the Force. So yeah. uh, we get the big battle because Bo Katan and the rest of the troops arrive, and they start going nuts. In the base And uh, we get the prolonged battle um, Din and Grogu Make a final stand against Gideon And the Praetorian guards um, And it's pretty interesting the way that I thought there would have been more You know, Grogu Trying to fight with Praetorian guards or something, which would have been really interesting But, you know, he basically Was just dancing around on the light fixture While Din did his work And uh, uh, Then Basically, they come together. Uh, Bo finds them, helps them take it all, resolve the whole issue, and in the battle with Moff Gideon, he uses the superpower strength of the suit to crush the dark saber. He he, w- he wrenches it and kills it, and basically that thing is toast. So at that point, he's just going on on the bad guy soliloquies and whatnot. When Axe crashes in, causing a giant fireball, which basically consumes Moff Gideon and Grogu, a la Kanan Jarus from Rebels, uses a force shield to protect himself and Bo Katan and, and the man and, and Din Jarden. Um, it's interesting because they spent so much time with the building of the medallion. That Grogu had on his chest And I figured that that would have come into Something like the Praetorian Guard Or a shot hits Grogu And Din is like Oh my god, my baby Grogu Is hurt, and then it'd be like Fooled ya, I got Beskar, baby You know, that type of thing I figured there was going to be something like that And there wasn't at any point this season Which was, I'm sure, it's in the cards Um yeah, he does the, the force shield. After the battle, they uh, uh, they relight the forge. Uh, Din formally adopts Grogu because he couldn't have him bathe in the waters of the living waters of Mandalore to become one. So he adopts him in order to get around that technicality and start giving him proper training uh uh and we see again the whole mythosaur uh uh when grogu's standing near the for- or near the living waters the uh, mythosaur opens his eyes so din then goes out and meets with uh uh, uh Carson teva and gets you know the head of the ig droid in exchange for Basically being a good bounty hunter for Carson like to take on jobs that are ethical and whatnot in support instead of being the bad guy so he can teach Grogu uh, how to do good and he uses the head of the IG-11 to bring back IG-12 and gives it to Navarro to grief to make him the marshal so it solves that issue of what happened to Cara Dune because we know that there were plans at least from what we hear to make her the marshal and we close in on Din and Grogu relaxing in their new homestead. And Grogu is spinning a frog about to have a nice little snack. And we get that circle fade, my friend, that you must have loved and eaten up. Like, beep, beep,
0: beep. that's all, folks. <laughs> you know, I did. You know, I absolutely loved it. <laughs> I thought it was so cute. Let, let's talk about the dark saber. The Black Saber, the Darksaber. Let's talk about that being destroyed and the ramifications and the overall, like, what that could mean. Well,
1: I think it means that there's going to be an acceptance by the Mandalorian culture because I think they were very clear in the fact that the Darksaber only meant something to the Mandalorians. Like to the ones that were taking their helmets off. The Darksaber meant nothing to the foundlings. Yep, exactly. They they, they don't know what they did in, in this season was show these foundlings that grew up on the moon of Concordia and all these different places. To show these foundlings in this sect of Mandalorians that they don't even know what the soup tastes like. Right? That was in episode two. Yeah. That she says like you've never had the soup like, and you call yourself a Mandalorian, you know, like that type of thing, like gatekeeping on the culture, right? And it was it it's kind of like a little bit of fair play back, like they built up Bo Katan in the in the soliloquies and the and the experiences and the the little talks, you know, Din Din told her on that ship, look, I don't care if you've got the dark saber, I don't care if you're the rightful ruler or not The fact is I'm going to Follow you because you still have a story to tell And you you conduct yourself with Honor and that's What I'm responding to Is how honorable of a leader you are Of a person you are that's why I follow you I don't follow you because you got this thing So I think at that Point we established that the dark Saber is something that Has it Can be Something that that We don't really need to Think about as highly anymore It's just It's a cool black lightsaber (laughs) You know what I mean I think that they did A well enough job writing around that That Yeah Can the armor have a founding We have a question I don't see why not But I don't see It's up to them to define the culture It's up to the writers To define the culture I don't see why not But I also think it's very odd How the armorer joined The hunt party Like the party to return to Mandalore Whereas normally She doesn't join any missions And that was one of the characteristics that called her out At least into being Exposed potentially As far as someone who might be a spy Because she did something that was out of character But
0: I, At I the think same it's really time,
1: her just wanting to return home.
0: <laughs> if the armorer goes out of their way to tell Bokatan, take off your helmet, I kind of feel like the armorer is already um changing their their entire viewpoint, right? Yes.
1: I think that, that change has taken place. I think I think they're ready to move forward as hey, Alex. I think they're ready to move forward as a culture uh, together, realizing that apart they're weak, together they're strong. So that's always been Mandalore's weakness: is when they are apart or when there's division, right? When when they're working against each other. When when Bo-Katan was working against her sister, the Duchess Satine, right? That was that created division because she was joined death watch at that point she was part of what she perceived as a problem, but she was unsatisfied with what her sister was doing as a leader and then she came to realize that that was a mistake, but it was too late right and it caused the destruction of the planet that that mistake that division that she helped to rot is is what led to the glassing of the planet and moff gideon's control over it and yeah the night of a thousand tears so
0: so yeah no okay so the next question that i have for you and let's talk about this that's what is coming up that's ahsoka uh this august disney plus we kind of touched on a couple things when at the start of this show, but let's talk about this a little more. What are you expecting from this show? And I ask you so that we look like complete fools when everything we say <laughs> happens in one episode again.
1: Obviously, I think we're going to get the reestablishment of Thrawn as the uh, major controlling Empire Lord. Empire guy until the transition to the First Order I think that this is this is going to be a series that establishes his return And his control And basically exposes a live action audience To the true terror that is Thrawn I also think that we're going to get resolution And reuniting um, Ezra with the crew Yep. Uh, oh my
0: God! I'm like, whoo, tearing up just thinking about it.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's Hera. It's it, it's it's Sabine. It 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 is Ahsoka, teaming up again, which is going to be very emotional. And then we also have Jason Sindula, right? Like the kid of Kanan and and Hera. Uh, that's going to be a, of a more advanced age. So. This is exciting times As far as that goes now where they go With it I have no clue I'm hoping That what we return to Is a little bit Of episode Five season two Which was a very Acura yeah, Type of Star Wars I would really appreciate Dave being able To go Fully into that in certain episodes If not the entire season And still be this you know what I mean like still get These beats in These comedic beats Kira, Kira Shawa was the master At all this He was the one that had the comedic relief that Basically R2D2 and C3PO are based off of A lot of stuff You know like that that's that's My hope I, I can't Predict anything because I don't know where they're going to go With it there there's a lot yeah. of stuff That shows that They're Going to do some retelling of Rebels uh, in terms of what needs to be done live action to get the audience up to speed, or in in flashbacks or whatever. I think that we probably have two bad guys uh, or two people who are what we'd call gray Jedi or something. They're not quite Sith uh, that are ancient that are using the 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 loophole for time travel. And the world between worlds, and are able to manipulate that to a degree to get to here for some kind of mission about thwarting somebody or something. And I think that's the guys with the orange uh, lightsabers that everybody was calling out. And Dave Filoni's like, Oh, yeah, orange is kind of like this weird old color. And it's like, Oh, yeah, all right. Uh, we're going there, I think. So. But we'll see. That that's as as geeky as I'll get. Yeah. With it.
0: Okay, so uh I think it's safe to say and I'm going to ask you because I don't know what your thoughts are, is Soka essentially Rebels season 5? Well, I think they've
1: declared that it won't be. You don't need to have watched Rebels to see this season, but I think for all the Rebels fans it's going to be that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they honestly said that just to not scare people into having to watch so four seasons of something in order to yep. watch Ahsoka, right? Because I know people yep. would get afraid and they'd say, no, too much. No mas. I'm not going to catch up yeah. in time, so I'm not going to watch it. So they're like, no, you don't need to watch it.
1: Yeah, don't exactly. worry about it. And you have to remember, like, these 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 seasons are not for the faint of heart in the sense that they're not stream. Like the, the seasons stream, yes, they are on Disney+. Plus. Yes, but they are television seasons. Yeah, so there's like 24 episodes per season or something like that. Like they are long haul, half hour, 22 minute, uh, uh, uh things. Uh ah, please not another MCU. Yeah, Carmel, I I get you that you don't want another MCU, but this is a contained story that. You, like I say you, Apparently you don't need to have watched it To enjoy this series So take that for what yep. it is I'm sure that they're going to be able to tell you What you need to know Because that being said Four seasons of television type seasons uh, Is Filled with a lot of Excess And things that maybe I don't want to say filler I'm just saying stuff that basically is self-contained episodic stuff That doesn't really relate to much character development or anything like that And then there's other episodes or other arcs that are like, whoa, they move mountains in this one So, you know, like, like a good summary of Rebels on YouTube would probably be Not a bad place to go and just take half an hour out of your day or an hour. I'm sure somebody's got a concise video, and I'm sure there's going to be 4 billion videos of summaries of rebels to prep people for Ahsoka with all kinds of clickbaity headlines of, if you're going to watch Ahsoka, you need to watch this right now. So Find out who Grand Admiral Thrawn actually is. And if it's by Mike Zero, it's gonna also have in the headline that Kathleen
0: Kennedy is going to be fired tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking true. Yeah. Alright, Phil. Honestly, that was awesome. I really I just love geeking out talking Star Wars. Uh, but and I but I do think that this is the perfect time to bid a deer and let everyone know how they can get a hold of us.
1: Certainly. You can track us down on www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can look us up on all of our socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at It's Canine Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. You can even find us on YouTube at It's Canon Podcast. You can subscribe anywhere where you find podcasts. You can even track us down on patreon.com slash snmeradio, uh, especially if you like wrestling. Uh, give them some, some, some of your monthly money and get access to all of their great content that they do. And Boris is a big part of that. And basically, if you like the video, if you like the podcast, leave some positive feedback. Let your friends know. If you're on the YouTubes, you can press the like button. You can press the subscribe to let you know when we have these Thursday little episodes or treats or whenever we drop them. And uh, be sure to click the alarms bell so that you do get notified of basically when we do it. So thank you so much for taking your time to listen to me yammer on about the Mandalorian. And Boris, thank you so much for all that you do for our show and listeners.
0: Anytime. And thank you to the listeners for giving us the past two hours as we get to really geek out and talk about what we love talking about and that is star wars thank you to everyone honestly thank you to everyone watching live with us remember you should just watch live you can be part of the conversation one of these episodes on the main show we're going to be having a mailbag type of episode uh so you're going to want to get used to it I'm going to start putting more effort into being more consistent. I think we've hammered stuff out. Today was a big test to make sure that it can handle a lot of what I want to do with the show. But thank you so much. He's Phil. I'm Boris. Thank you for listening and goodbye.